Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away. I am Drew Vanderplug. I am joined this time by Cody Welton from across the ocean. Cody, how are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm sleep deprived, and I've been hanging out with teenagers for the last couple of days. But um, I'm I'm making it work, so I'm excited to talk about sporting Casey. Absolutely. So um, it is almost well. It's uh, after eleven o'clock uh, uh, where Cody is recording from right now. So we're gonna try and jump right into it in the interest of his own personal um, sanity and getting some sleep tonight. Um, the uh, news of the day or the news of the week regarding Sporting Kansas City, obviously, uh, 3-1 loss at Chicago over the weekend. That is three road losses and, um, you know, one home win over four matches for Sporting so far. The scoreline was not fantastic. The goals given up were not fantastic. Um, I will say that on the rewatch, it wasn't it didn't seem quite as poor to me as the scoreline. Um, may have may have said, and so I understand a little bit of Peter's comments after the match about how you know he felt like you know the team wasn't as bad as a scoreline uh, put up. I'd say that there are other parts of it where I think that he's maybe protecting his players a little bit, but I think that you know if you look at the XG numbers, I think Chicago only had like a 1.4 XG on the match, and 0.78 of that comes from a penalty. So. I don't think that they gave up a ton of bad chances to Chicago in that match. I don't think they created many chances, though, either, which is really kind of the main concern with the club as we take a look at the performance, you know, throughout. And, and that's the that's a consistent concern too through, right. through the beginning of the season. So, you know, say what you want about the number of injuries that Sporting were dealing with in the match and the number of absences that they had as a result of it, and we will talk about them. They're injuries or not chance creation has been an issue across four matches, not just this one where they had their entire front line. Well, really their five best attackers are all out injured, right? When you say Polito, Kinda, um, shallowy Russell. And I guess, well, I don't know if I'd call Shelton from a goal scoring perspective was the fifth highest scorer on the team last year. So we'll say, you know, from that, from a production perspective, their top five goal scorers of the last season, all out. So it is, you know, a problem from that perspective. Um, but I would say that even at the beginning of the season, you know, the first game of the year, you know, say what you want about, you know, bugs and whatnot, second, third game, they're not creating a ton of chances regardless. So um, they did trot out a very different lineup than we're used to seeing. Um, the lineup graphic had it as a five, four, one, I'd say, you know, Maybe it looked like that way. I don't even think it looked that way in defensive shape. It was more of a 5-3-2 defensively because Duke was pressing so high. Um, it really was the Steve Sampson-esque 3-6-1, which is really a three, three, you know, three lines of three with a forward in front, um, where um, you had uh, – sorry. EC was on was left center back, Fontas in the center, and then Courtney Ford got his first start of the year on the right. Um, in possession, you had the wingbacks moving up to that second line where Zussi and Ben Sweat were the, were the two wingbacks and, uh, Remy Voltaire in the, uh, in the defensive midfield, sixth position was that second line of three, the third line of three being Felipe Hernandez on the left, uh, Roger Espinosa on the right. And then Cameron Duke 
sort of in a 10 role, sort of in a free rolling role. Um, he was, you know, kind of up and down and, and through the different lines, but definitely sort of, sort of that middle of the third line. And then uh, Nico Vunjevic, or excuse me, Vojnovic was uh, at striker. Um, it was different. We got the three-man back line. It was kind of right. thrilling. It was kind of thrilling to, you know, see the uh, the the lineup release and realize that, you know, it was going to be something uh, a little bit different. But, you know, like we were talking about before we started recording, I don't I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot that we can take from this. Um, but who knows? I mean, um, you know, with with uh, with the way the season's gone so far, um, if we continue to be short of um, of attacking players, we might have to be creative in a lot more games than just one. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, the, a lot of the narrative around the team over the last week has been around, you know, the chaos in the, in the roster creating inconsistencies when you talk about building an attack. And, you know, I, I will admit that those are realities with what the, what the team has been dealing with. It is difficult to analyze certain areas of the of sporting's you know possession based offense when the players are so varied from match to match dependent on injury and roster availability so i can understand where you know some of those caveats come from but when it comes down to it the performances have not been good no just haven't and and Um, you have to ask yourself you know like um the way that the way that you know they came out on Saturday, you know, with the with the formation and the and the players that they had, um, what was what was the plan? Like, you know, how were they um, yeah. how were they planning on being able to score? Because whatever it was, it did not look like uh, it was uh, effective, like at all. And so, um, I'm not sure whether you know. Uh, the idea was for Cameron Duke to play a lot more of a creative role and get on the ball a lot more because he, you know, he was not able to do that. And, you know, and if, if that was the case, then I would have thought that uh, Tionis would uh, have been maybe a better um, a better player to, to play alongside of him. And, you know, Voinovich, I, you know, who knows whether Voinovich is good or not. I mean, I mean, at this point, who knows? Right? He's not seeing enough of the ball and especially not in uh, dangerous enough places to know, you know, whether he's actually, um, you know, got potential to be uh, a valuable player for the team. And so, um, so I think it just, you know, what, you know, what happened against Chicago really left, um, left more questions asked than answered. Certainly. I, I would agree with the sentiment there. I think I saw some touches from Voinovich. You know, you see very limited sort of flashes of what his abilities could be. He did have a shot but, or an attempted shot. Yeah, so he did. Fun. And there, there is a moment right here in the beginning where he actually gets a service in from Zussi and then um, and and drops it off for Ben Sweat as he's running onto the corner. It's actually a really nice play, but it was one of like three plays he had in the whole game. Yeah that were of any significance. And I saw him hold up a couple times. I, he, he, he does a good job against with a center back on his back, holding up, creating a second ball. Unfortunately, sporting wasn't winning second balls, which is a separate whole separate issue that we need to get mm-hmm. into. Um, but to your point, what was the plan? How were you really attempting to create chances with this setup? I don't know that I saw it. And 
I, I think that it's, I understand why, you know, based on what the, what the available roster is and you're trying to integrate new players at the appropriate pace, you're trying to take, you're trying to give some other new players who have potentially earned a shot to play time. Um, and just none of that stuff is aligning right now with all the injuries that you have, but you take a couple of your more creative players in Shawnice and in Denbe off the field yeah, in order to set this up and you bring in players and you bring in a back three um, and you bring in, um, you know, this sort of six man midfield, which, you know, is really wing backs plus four midfielders that, none of which are creative players. I mean, at one point you could say that Zussi was a creative player. He's not anymore. Um, he's a service guy. He's going to think he is. Him. Yeah. But you know, we know, but we know what Zussi's move is, right? He's very yeah. good at ball delivery. He delivers a really good ball. And if he gets near zone 14, he's going to dribble along zone 14, either looking and for shoot. the shot or he's mm-hmm. going to drop it off. That's that's what his move is at this point. We know it. We watch him play too much to know exactly what you're getting from Susie. And I'm not saying that those things aren't valuable. And having a fullback that can cut in and invert and then be goal dangerous from that position is a net positive. It's a problem that the U.S. Men's National Team is going to have because Sergino Dest does that a lot for them. Yeah. But um, I understand the value in it. The problem is, is that he's not getting to those positions very often. No. So so you're not getting the positive value out of that position. And he is not a creative 1v1 player. So as a fullback, he is not taking on that left winger or that left-sided midfielder, getting past them and creating a movement advantage where he can release a Johnny Russell or he can release the right-sided midfielder. None of that is occurring. So again, and then on that right side, you've got Roger Espinoza, who is another player that, you know, historically we love. Build the statue to Raj, as far as I'm concerned. Like, he's fantastic, historically. But dude looked washed, especially in the first half. He played better in the second half, but dude looked washed as hell in the first half of this match. And my main issue is, if you're going to trot out a 3-6-1, how do you get overrun in the midfield? Yeah, and it happened over and over again. Like that was the so, thing that was really concerning. So I think I think really you know one of the one of the problems was that um, it was a it was a, you know it, it appeared to be like an overloaded midfield, but really uh, what was happening was um, Voltaire was was dropping back and playing as a single pivot, and so you were really just you know. Um, reinforcing all the problems that we've been seeing, um, you know, at the at the at the number six throughout the start of the season, um, and I think that it probably would have been, you know, a little bit more effective, in my opinion, to uh, to play with more of a double pivot and to uh, to, to then push, um, you know, you know, push uh, another, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe consider you know your your inver- or inverted forwards to be more like advanced attacking midfielders and and play two of them along sort either of side. Style. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Very yeah. similar to Chelsea style, sure. Um, and then and then as you mentioned, you know, I mean, uh, putting Sweat in uh, as a wing back in that position is you know probably a little bit dubious. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he was just ineffective. I mean, the I don't think you know. Um, 
most of the players out there did not play super poorly, but they also didn't play well. And, you know, I think that, that the coach's job is to uh, put players in a position uh, where they can be successful. Um, you know, when you throw out, throw out the players that you have, you know, the, the names that you have, throw out the, the position at, or the system that you prefer to play, your job as a coach at the end of the day is to, is to put players in a position where, uh, where they can, you know, reach their potential and can be most effective. And um, man, that, that just did not happen really at all with, with any of the players on the field. Um, and, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's putting um, Voltaire back there as a single pivot and not giving him any cover, whether it's, um, you know, putting sweat um, as a wing back, whether it's, you know, putting Christian Duke uh, up there to run around. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I love Christian Duke, well, but uh, Christian, he was Christian Duke plays for the comments. Cam, Cameron. Duke. Oh, Cam Duke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh goodness gracious! Well, that's the first one tonight. There might be it's, more. Um, I mean, so they yeah, are so, brothers. Uh, yeah, they are I, brothers. Oh, I know. I've I've uh, twelve years removed from each other. But they yeah. they are. I've spoken with uh, with Christian before uh, about training and stuff, and uh, so yeah, I know. But um, so so you know, I, I love Cam Duke, but um, you know, it's hard. You know, it's hard to make a, an argument that he was put in a position to succeed, and maybe you know that's on him. Uh, we don't know what his instructions were, but um, it seems like, you know, it seems logical to assume that his 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 instructions, at least to some degree, included, you know, knitting together uh, the the rest of the midfielders and uh, Voinovic. And, you know, he didn't do that. And, you know, those two guys basically occupied the same spot in the field uh, most of the time, and neither one of them. Uh, had enough touches and neither one of them were really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, with the, res- with the obvious exception of the, you know, 19 pass sequence that led to the goal, there wasn't a whole lot of sporting offense that you remember or that you can be, you know, happy about. Um, and I, I think I tweeted out when, you know, the video was posted showing it and I was like, this is beautiful when it happens, but it just, it's so rare right now that we see it happen. And well, that it really underlines just, that. I don't know, know if it's he, because teams have become wise to how to break it apart. And they know that sporting is going to attempt to play in this way. But I mean, the first, the first 10, 20 minutes, Chicago was pressing the hell out of sporting's midfield. Yeah. And, and I, the reason I bring this up is because it seems like every team does this now. Yeah. Every team comes straight out of the box and presses the hell out of sporting and specifically the midfield tries to create midfield turnovers, does not allow them to get on the ball and, and create possession and like clogs up the game for the first 20 minutes. Now the, the pace at which most of these teams press does not allow them to do it for a full game, but generally once they've got past that 20 minutes, they've taken all the bite out of it. Yeah. And now you've got a bunch of midfielders who are tentative, who are worried about a guy coming to their back who are worried about a guy. As soon as they receive is somebody there that it just takes them out of their game. And it, it seems to be, I've seen it happen too many times by too many opponents to believe that it's not become like a scouted thing that coaches are looking to mm-hmm. do. Well, and that's where, you know, that's where we really miss Gadikinda because he's not the most creative player in the attacking third, but he is a super creative player in, in the middle third and in receiving and turning and progressing the ball. Either he takes by the ball on the half turn yep. so well, man. Yeah, he does. So well. Yeah. 
We talk, and, he, and the, he doesn't even he, he doesn't even need a half turn. He'll he can receive it with his back, you know, to to the goal and somehow turn completely, you know, 180 degrees um, super quickly and be ready to explode off of that. And so, um, you know, it's really obvious that we're missing that kind of um, dynamism in the midfield. Uh, and so it's just a matter of, you know, how how um, how are we going to um, find a way to, uh, you know, paper that over before uh, he can come back. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to be, um, a lot of it has to be through passing because, you know, the, the players that we have, you know, they, I think they're better passers than, than dribblers for the most part. Yeah. Felipe, Felipe excluded. I think Felipe is probably the closest approximation to Gotti on the roster, but his consistently, his consistency at doing the things Gotti does is far inferior to Gotti. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, he can continue to build on those skill sets. I'm so glad he was playing on the left. He played significantly better on the left side. As we know, he should be playing on the left. That's where he is best. If I see him on the right side again and Roger on the left, I'm going to start throwing things because it's just, (laughs) it's just taking a guy out of his best position to put Roger in a position where he's offers nothing. And I, but when he played on the left, he did have some creative moments um, right after, uh, the Vojnovic, um, sort of service from Zussi from the right. And when he, you know, gets it off to sweat and that shot gets blocked, Ben Sway gets another sequence where Felipe actually releases him. Um, and then, you know, sweat gets all the way to the end line and there are no runners, zero, yeah, none. Like he's all the way to the end line and he has to release the cross at that point. Yeah. Cause he's got a fullback closing him down and there are literally no runners, Raj six yards behind the, behind where the, the ball needs to be. And yeah. it's just, it's, that's the frustrating part for me is like when they would create these positions from wide, which is typically where their chances come from. Yeah. There was no, there was nobody running onto the ball. Um, so yeah, I, let's, we were, that was about the 14th minute. The Chicago still pressing a little bit, but they right around the 20th, they start to slow down. Um, sporting gains a little bit more control. Um, Courtney Ford, I thought mostly played well. Um, yeah, he was okay. I mean, you know, he was maybe a little rusty, but that can, you know, that's but, to be expected. It, but, but he was recovering. His athleticism yeah, right. is so good. That's he thing. was recovering from yeah. mistakes really well. So yeah. like, you, you know, he, he, and he was being, because he's in a back three, both he and EC we're being, we're doing what you can do on either side of a back three, which is get way up high and press somebody and be aggressive because you have two yeah. center backs behind you. There, yeah, Ford, is, Ford is not afraid to, you know, to get at somebody and he's got a little bit of a mean streak. And I think that that's really important and something that the team needs. Well, and so we'll talk about this more when we get to the end. We talk about the back three and whether it was good or not. But the, the fact is for both EC and Ford, who are guys, you know, I don't, we, well, we haven't seen Ford at all. We saw him in this game. He was being very aggressive at coming forward and pressing in certain things when he can, which is something that he can do when you're in a back three. EC was doing the same thing. They were, and they were not doing it at the same time. They were smart about it, making sure you're leaving two center backs behind whenever you do it. But those are, that's the value of the back three is that you've got air cover behind you if a center back ranges forward. Um, when you do it in a back two or you back four and your wing backs or your, le- your fullbacks are high and your you know, Fontas does one of his ranging dribbles into space. What happens when a turnover occurs? 
you're kind yeah. of in bad, you're kind of in bad shape. So there, there were some benefits to it. And, uh, I Ford, you know, played it like you would want a right center back in a back three to play it. So, uh, it was about the 21st minute. Um, and he presses and, and, uh, presses high. He's almost, you know, 75 yards upfield on one of Chicago's, um, defensive mids, one of their double pivot and presses it, presses high, gets the turnover, gets it straight to Duke. Duke's got it on the top of the 18 and then fart noise. Like there's just nothing. There's just no ideas. You just got a bunch of guys who don't have any idea what to do once they get to that place. And it was, um, it was, it was frustrating. This is the kind of stuff that we saw and that that's where the concern is more than anything. And to your point earlier, you're trying to put guys in a in an area to succeed. Cam Duke, one v one with a defender at the top of the 18. That's not his forte. That's not what he does. No, he's not going to dribble a dude and then take a shot on goal. That's Johnny Russell. Yeah. If if that was Johnny Russell that got the ball there, goal. Yeah. Almost guaranteed goal because he's gonna he's gonna dribble that guy and he's gonna be one v one. He's gonna he's gonna pick his post and put it in. And that's the part that I, I was struggling with more than anything. Now, obviously, Johnny's injured. I understand that. But I would suspect that Marino's Chinese would have done something completely different with that play than yeah. what than what Duke did. And that that was where my concern was um, with how the team, you know, kind of looked. A um, couple so minutes if later. If you're going to play but, base, if you're going to play Duke basically as a quasi forward, you know, Chonese is is. Uh, at least from what we've seen is a much better option for that role. So uh, I would, you know, if we ever see something like this again, my hope would be that he gets an opportunity to, to uh, show what he can do there. Well, and Johnny's comes in later and for Duke and immediately there's more attacking bite. Like almost, they almost, they they almost got a freaking a goal chance, like 90 seconds after he's on the field. It just show like, there's just a difference in the player type. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get too frustrated about this, but this is stuff. <laughs> this seems like basic stuff, man. Like this. Okay. Is not- so, so look here's the, you know, the thing is, is that, is that, you know, if fans have a right to be frustrated um, and um, you know, if for no other reason than that, that we don't ever uh, experiment with different formations. And, you know, one of the reasons that it's a good idea to maybe do that is so that if you have an opportunity like this, where you don't really have a choice, you have to use another formation. You have players who are, um, who, who've practiced and drilled and who have some experience in, in the different, uh, roles and opportunities that provides. And when, when you play a four, three, three, you know, all the time forever and you have to go away from that it's um it's 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 a problem you know if, if the system is the star then when the system breaks down um that's a problem well the other issue is the self-fulfilling prophecy that occurs as a result of it which is we can only play the four three three. we try to make a change in formation that sucked ass so i'm never trying it again right yeah, exactly Yep. So now, now Vermees, anytime someone asks him, hey, why don't you change formation? He's going to point to this match mm-hmm. as if it's an actual realistic primer of what the team can do if they trained in an yeah. alternate setup and had some different ideas about what their roles were. But it's not that. It's This is 
all we have left roster wise. So I came up with something to throw 11 guys on the field, yeah. but it's going to become, you know, the, the example of why sporting can't do this. And yeah. I, I, that's the part of it that I get frustrated by. Cause I can already hear it coming. It's going to come mm-hmm. later this season. So, so, you know, if you, if uh, one of the things that kind of frustrated me is that, um, is that, you know, Fontos was playing sort of in the middle instead of on the left. And, you know, I was kind of hoping maybe he would, you know, move up and play more of a, uh, of a quasi, you know, holding midfielder role. I mean, he's a really a good sweeper. passer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the problem is, is that, is that he didn't, you know, uh, Isimot Marine was uh, the, uh, the much more advanced um, of, of the three um, well, center backs. It, it's, and it's it, a- it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, but it's a, a that one I could sort of understand. And I talked about this a couple minutes ago. They played the back three again. Here we go. You're going to hear my Tottenham comparison. They played the back three very similar to how Tottenham has it set up, where the center, where the center defensive, uh, the center, uh, the middle center back, man, that took me a while to get to. The middle center back is the stay home guy organizing the line. And the, the two outside center backs are the ones that have freedom to range. They can go yeah. forward, and if one goes forward, the other one stays back. If the you know, and they they rotate in that way. But the middle center back is anchoring the line and is responsible for organizing it. Um, whether or not is, the that's the best that way also, to deploy Fontas, I don't know. The problem is that also turns that player into this, you know, basically a sweeper, right? Because yep. you know, he's oftentimes the, the last line of defense, and that is not you know in Fontas's skill set. I'm sorry, and so. You know, it's again like it's, it's a cons, it's a consistent issue of tr- you know maybe trying to put you know square pegs into round holes, and um, yeah, I, I just it was not impressive. My main, issue, my main issue is is in that circumstance, if you're going to play a single pivot with a back three, the middle center defender and that single pivot should be very well connected. Yeah, and they weren't. That, but that's your spine effectively at that point. Usually the sporting spine is the two central defenders and the single pivot. There was no connection to Voltaire at all. Everything was played out wide. Fontes was not on the ball. Yeah. And and that, to your point, that's the big issue is that there's no use of that middle defender to actually, to your point, connect with the midfield and create a progression in that way, especially when he has such a, fantastic skill set on the ball and being progressive in his passing. So I'm totally on board with you on that part of it. Um, I don't think it works for him to range in defensive midfield with a single pivot though. You would have to have there then him and Voltaire in the same space. Yeah. So I think that that's why he couldn't go there. So there are some structural issues to your earlier point as to why Fontas couldn't be there. They'd be occupying right. the same space. Well, and that's, and that's why, you know, that's why I said, you know, a, a, a double pivot uh, more like in the lines of what Chelsea runs would be a better uh, idea, but that is just, you know, that is just something that is, is not um, in the Vermi system DNA. And, you know, I'm sure that it has to do with, um, you know, as we've discussed before, the positional p- play, the vertical channel channels that the that the players are coached to uh, be responsible for, um, that training, you know, has not ever really allowed for two players in that sort of holding midfielder position. Yeah, uh, and and that's the part that's frustrating about this because you could see I could make one change to that lineup. And it is um, Chinese for Espinosa, 
and you could put Chinese next to Duke as those um, defensively responsible attacking, you know, dual tens, if you want to call yep. them that. But they're mm-hmm. really, they, they have a lot of defensive responsibilities in that role. Absolutely. And then you have Voltaire. A lot of next responsibilities. To, and then you have Voltaire next to Hernandez behind, who yeah. both have great defensive understanding and range and range that can cover a ton of ground. Yeah. They're both, they're, they both understand when to go cover that ground. Yep. And then, that would be, that then would be can drive up into that space. And I think that you see a completely different way that the team could have attacked this lineup, whether sweat should be in over in Denbay or whatnot. I I'm sort of, I don't care. I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm not super, I'm not super amped up about where, who we're starting at fullback or wingback, yeah. but you, you, you switch Chinese for Raj and you could easily play that type of setup. Yeah. And it's not like those tucked in sort of free roaming tens with defensive responsibilities have to stay inward all the time. They've Correct. got basically, they've got basically you license know, to of, range of, of, of their, yeah. Of their third of the field basically. Yeah. And I, you could you could work with those positional responsibilities and just shift them slightly. And the, to your point earlier, the problem is they never train for that type of thing. Yeah. And so therefore, Peter doesn't trust them to be able to figure it out. And my issue is when he puts out something like this, it looks even less organized than that would have if you had just put him out in a 3-4-2-1 and said, hey, do this. Yeah. Well, I think part of the problem is you know, as as we've discussed previously, is uh, you're 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 massaging and and twisting and manipulating a a, a formation to make sure that you get in in this case Roger on the field and and you know frankly his his performance through the first um, part of the season has not warranted that uh, and he was ineffective again um, this last weekend and you know if that's the if that's the player that you're contorting yourself for and 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 really doing weird stuff in order to make sure that player's on the field then that's a that's a huge mistake yeah I, this is something we've touched on a couple times already it, it feels like it's gonna have to be an ugly divorce for Peter to finally move on. And that's what worries me about it. It's going to have to be something really ugly. Yeah. That causes him to finally, you know, cut bait in some of these scenarios. Um, okay. I mean, we've covered, you know, a lot of our frustrations. I, I again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound dour. Like this is an unsolvable situation. It's really not. The players themselves did not have bad games. Exception, Tim Melia accepted, but I'll give Tim Melia a bad game. He can have I would three say, or four bad games a season. I would like say Duke had, a, Duke had a bad game. Well, um, Duke, but I don't put it on Duke. Though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's I not agree. like he, I, 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 <laughs> the issues he had in that game were not necessarily related to his play as much as he yeah. was just come way out of position. Yep. What he was being asked to do is not appropriate for his skill set. And this yeah, will and just, I, and that's the other problem. That, again, this goes back to the same thing. This is going to give Peter a reason to put Duke on the bench for another week, yeah. month and a half and play him for 10 minutes at the end of games because he didn't play good in this match. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with why he didn't play good. Yeah. Um, he was, you're, you're taking a 20 year old kid and just tossing him out at the top of a, you know, three, five, two, if you want to call that, or a, a you know, 
four five four one or five four five three one one i don't know what the hell they were trying to make it seem like he was this free roaming 10 which really wasn't totally his role but um anyway it i don't put that i don't put this game on him at all and i i hope it doesn't you know limit his ability to play in the future because i i think that there are he has capabilities if used correctly it can be a good yeah, asset i agree all right let's let's get back in the rundown so we can get all through right. the game real quick um yeah. i'm gonna burn through some of these because Honestly, after the other than the goals, it was a pretty boring game. After this, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, There's a like I said, a lot of pressing by Chicago, a lot of tactical fouling by Chicago. This is another thing we've talked about over and over and over again. Sporting's opponents are very good at fouling Sporting, so they can't get into a rhythm. A lot of restarts, a lot of just chopping up the game. I mean, more power to them. They were doing it, and it worked. Um, 30th minute, uh, oh wait, sorry, 23rd minute, Fabian Herbers um, gets played in behind, behind um, beautiful ba- ball by Shakiri. Jordan Shakiri gets on the ball right around the bottom of the circle, uh, just past the half line, and drops a dime in there. And thankfully, Fabian Herbers is um, Chicago Michael Barrios. He absolutely whiffs, doesn't even touch the ball. So, I mean, he if he gets his foot on it at all, it's a goal. Um but he does not. Then, you know, again, choppy game keeps continues to be choppy. 30th minute, Casper Shabilko. I will say this. I think that Shabilko was a great grab for Chicago. They Absolutely. move on from Robert Barrich, and they get Shabilko for a third of what they yeah. were paying Barrich. Um, I thought Shabilko has always been a great player for Philly. I think this was a really big pickup for them, and he played very well in this game. I mean, yeah. he gets a couple goals. Both of Amelia is going to want back, but he played well regardless. Um, so Ben Sweat releases a pretty bad, just it's it's a it's a hospital ball, man. Um, and Shakiri's right there, jumps on it, and just immediately sends Herbers through. Um, Raj nowhere to be found, literally ten yards behind the play. Um, so um. Herbers sends it to Shabilko, who's basically 1v1 with, with Ford. And Ford does exactly what he's supposed to do here. He drives him to the post. And you can actually see Ford even consider kicking his foot out for the block. But his he knows that he's not supposed to do that there. As a central defender, if you go for that block, you obscure the goalkeeper and you can't see the ball. So if you're going to go for that block, you better be sure you're going to get it. So he, he, he start, you can actually watch it in the replay. He starts to kick his foot out to go for the block. He pulls it back. So Melia can see the shot the whole way. And yeah, I mean, it's a howler, just a howler yeah. right under, right, right through the wickets, man. It was just not good. Um, right underneath him. I don't know what to say. I mean, Timmy will tell would tell us if he was on the podcast that he's not he's not happy about that. Courtney Ford even looked at him, he had his arms out after he's like, bro. Courtney Ford was like, What are you serious? <laughs> I did everything right. <laughs> he literally did. It, it's it's crazy because we've seen some poor central defending play in these types of moments for sporting so far. And Ford does this on both of the goals. He's actually in the right spot playing yeah. the right way. And um just you know bad goals timmy's gonna want this game back it's just not as good it's not his best game we know we have enough we have enough experience with timelia to know that he is not going to do this regularly this is not who he is as a goalkeeper so i'm not like getting overly upset about it but yeah it's a woof moment 
But my main issue with this is where the fuck is Raj? Yeah. Like, where is he? Yep. Well, you know, I mean, that's the that's the the thing is that when w- the team loses possession, they have to be in position and um, and ready to counter press immediately and to stop those balls from uh, from making their way even past um, midfield. And you know, I mean, if if they're not up to the task, that it makes it makes the attacker's job way too easy. Well, I mean, when's the last? I mean, and this is a thing. This is the frustrating part of it. I watched Raj in the second half of this match. He he played a lot better in the second half, and he was getting around. His mobility wasn't a problem. This was like brain fart kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, he. when do you normally see Raj completely being out of position defensively? Mm-hmm. That's not a common occurrence for him. Yeah. So I'm like, what is going on? There's something else. I. But yeah, I watched the thing and I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, and and to your point, why are we doing so much to ensure, you know, doing all these things formationally to ensure that he can be on the field for his veteran presence if it's going to be these types of mistakes? And maybe, Roger, maybe Roger's just being a gentleman, doesn't want to show up his wife because she's balling and she's got the number 10 jersey. <laughs> so, you know, maybe he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does I mean, she I would, have the do, 10 that. I would do that. She, she normally has the nine. Did she give up the nine this year to somebody? I guess so, because she was wearing the ten uh, oh, last weekend. Okay, I watched that match, but the problem was I couldn't really see the. Was the color saturation like really weird for you? Looked like it looked like they were wearing like mint green jerseys. I man, I I can't remember that. Can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, we're not going to get into Casey. Curry I've traveled halfway this, across the world since then. We, I have no idea. We cover. We talk about too much soccer on this podcast to begin with. I'm not going to get into the Casey Current uh, opening match of the year. But anyway, um, it yeah, I was just. I'm, we'll leave it there. Everyone yep. that listens to this podcast knows our frustration with Rogers' play so far, and I hope he gets his shit together. Let me put it that way. Um, all right. The rest of the half, there were some cha- half chances here or there, but nothing really significant and um, pretty boring, honestly. Um, right after halftime, uh, EC drops a nice diagonal. It was it was pretty. Um, drops one, you know, he's kind of on the end line and drops one in for Raj right on the top of the eighteen, and he, Raj gets it and he you know feels the slightest whiff of contact and goes down. But I mean, it, it, this is not a penalty. Um, the one well, thing I noticed, go ahead, Roger. I mean, <laughs> can we go again? You know, he's just not the player you want in that position. He never has been. And, um, and it's unfair to him and it's unfair to the team and it's unfair to the fans that he's being put in that position because he's never been successful in that position. Well, it's funny that we're doing all this because we're going to get to a point when there's something nice to say about Raj. But I'm going to caveat, uh, I'm going to tell you, promise you that all the things we're talking about are still relevant when we get to that point. So we'll get there in a second. Um, uh, the one thing I noticed after halftime is that Sporting was pressing a lot more and then repressing a lot more. I don't know why they forgot to do this in the first half. It seems like sort especially with four midfielders on the field, you know, plus your wingbacks. Why wouldn't you be pressing the hell out of them? You have a significant numbers advantage in the middle of the field and they weren't really doing it that much. 
they were getting after it a lot more and gaining turnovers, which was good. And the repressing was keeping the ball from getting behind them, which was. Well, I think was I good. think that there there's a good chance that they were overthinking things a little bit because they were in a new position, in a yeah. new formation, yeah. in different positions. And you know, this is something we see with the U.S. men's team that um, they 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 just lack that sort of cutting edge because they're not 100% sure where they're supposed to be and when they're supposed to be there and so there's that slight hesitation and and um and tentativeness and that in in in, in professional soccer that costs you games and goals yeah or goals and games whichever yeah. whichever yeah, way that you makes want to sense. that's a really good that's a really good point i yeah they 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 were out of sorts in the first half and it makes sense that they would be um, all right, 49th minute, you know, bad goes to worse. Courtney Ford, I mean, this is a soft penalty. It's technically a foul. It is. He stepped on stepped on uh, Pineda's foot. I mean, it, it did happen. It, I mean, it was fairly innocuous. I think if I think if there's no penalty call, it doesn't get overturned. But the reality is it's probably it is technically a foul. Um, to be fair, Fontas got cleaned out right prior to this and was pretty pissed off that he didn't get a foul call. And I, I agree with him because the foul that Courtney Ford had on Pineda was not even close to as, as uh, aggressive as what happened to Fonte. But anyway, penalty, uh, Shakiri does what he does, jams at home. And now it's two, nothing. Um, just four minutes later, Fontes almost had a ridiculously bad own goal. He stuck his foot out to try and clear it, and it it was just outside the post. Um, it hit the net, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and thankfully, it was the outside netting, not the inside netting. Um, there might have been a handball in the buildup, though, so they might have come off on VAR even if that did go in. Anyway, um, all right, 56 minute. Something nice to say about Siraj. Um, but I'm going to caveat this when we talk about it. Um, really nice buildup goal. So we, we, we hit this at the beginning, 19 pass sequence. They banged the ball around quite a bit. You saw quite a bit of interchange in the midfield as different players kind of came into different positions. Um, Courtney Ford all the way up at the top of the 18, helping combined on this goal. Um, just, but it was more, it was, it reminded you of what SKC can look like when they're ticking, when they're ticking and they're humming. It is beautiful soccer to watch. It really, really is. And just the ball moving around and moving around quickly. Boom, boom. Like pass, pass, pass. When they're in that rhythm, so fun to watch. And um, it wasn't like sitting on the ball. It wasn't any of those kinds of things. It's just the very quick movement, different players moving in and out of their positional areas. And you saw they like there was that rotation specifically in the midfield where a guy would come in and that then the next guy knew that he had to rotate off to a different positional area to make sure that different areas were covered. And just ball around, around, around. And then it finally gets over to the to, to Fontas. Fontas releases it to Cameron Duke, Cameron Duke releases it to Felipe Hernandez along the end line. And then um, um, Hernandez drags it back up to the top of the six and Raj is making the crashing run and jams at home. It's a very good finish too. I mean, it's underneath a couple legs and it's, it's not a, it's not a simple finish and he, he does jam at home. So we've been going on and on and on about how Raj is being put in a bad position. Raj is kind of out of position a lot, blah, 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 blah. This has always been Raj's game. Being the fifth man to crash the box, 
that is something he's good at, right? Everyone's forward. He's behind. He can come in. They've pulled all the defenders up and he can come in. Now, sometimes he sends it 15 yards over the bar, but this is something he's good at, at least getting into this position. So this is typical Raj. And I was like, I want to see more of this, but what are your thoughts? I, I was very happy with the goal. I just, you know, there was just not much else that looked like this the rest of the match. Um, you know, for, for years and years and years, I have uh, been advocating for SKC's eights to make runs into the box more um, because that's how you score goals is by flooding the box. And uh, oftentimes they are not doing that because they're, they're mired in their defensive responsibilities. Um, and, um, and so I, th- I mean, like, to me, it's like, duh, yeah, of course that's going to be a great goal because yeah, um, we know that we know that Burmese is a good coach. We know that he is really great at coaching these kind of of passing sequences. And uh, if you have if you have the players performing them and you have everybody in their place they're supposed to be, you can really make magic happen. Yeah, it was great. It was a great goal. Raj finished it very well. Yeah, um, he looked like I said. I will say this on the rewatch. He looked really more like Raj in the second half of this match, which leads me to believe that he's not out of gas. There's something else going on yeah. because he had plenty of energy and was running down stuff and was covering ground like you normally would see him do in the second half. So I don't know if Vermi has gotten his face. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I don't know what was going on, but he he was a lot better in the second half. And the goal was a key part of it. But just him, his position and, and just his ground cover and the things that you just expect Roger to be doing, he was doing much better. Well, it could be that it could be that he just can't um, he just can't do that for 90 minutes anymore. That's fine. That happens to every player. And that's that's an argument. Yeah, but then for, why is he doing it better in the second half than he did in the well, first? But, but, but you know, I mean, all it takes is, you know, one nice sequence in the second half to make it look like he's had a really good second half, you know? No, and no, so, no, no. I'm saying, like, you, I watched him make it runs. The whole thing? Yeah, yeah, I rewatched the whole match, and I'm saying that his play in general in the second half was way better. Take the goal yeah. out of it. I noticed him making runs and get, uh, uh, you know, winning duels and counter pressing and doing the things that you expect Raj to do um, playing out of muddy situations really well. That's one thing that Roger's really good at is like when the ball gets kind of chopped up and weird, he can still get in it and get the ball free. Like yeah. just all those kinds of, they're really hard things to put on a stat sheet. That's the thing we've talked often about Raj. Mm-hmm. He's not, I don't know that he's ever going to have a great dual percentage. I don't know that his interceptions or recoveries are going to look that fantastic. It's just, he does stuff that's really doesn't come up well on a stat sheet, but he was doing that much better in the second half in general. Not, I'm not even talking about the goal. I'm talking about just his general play as a, you know, eight, right. As a defense, as a, you know, kind of free roaming box to box sort of defensively responsible eight. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know then. I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm clueless as to why he's kind of struggled. And, and, you know, the same thing with, with Zussi too. I mean, Zussi hasn't had the best um, handful of games. And so I, um, who knows? My thoughts on Zussi are like, I don't know that I, he's just anonymous. That's my issue with Zussi is like, yeah. I just don't, I'm not seeing much from him, which well, is a problem because you're taking, you know, you're taking his defense, you know, his defensive deficiencies on because you think he's in, he's a significantly higher net positive for all the other things he does that he's not doing right now. 
So well, and what these players are supposed to be um, giving, even if they, even if they're not, you know, the players they once were, they're supposed to be giving the team, you know, leadership and uh, and you know some savvy on the field, uh, some resiliency. I mean, those are things that you expect veteran players to add to your team, and those are things that that the the team really hasn't shown very much uh, so far this season. So, and maybe in the training ground, the locker room, they're doing that, but that doesn't mean they have to start every match. Anyway, we, we've kicked, we, we've, we've uh, beat that horse pretty dead. Yeah. Um, so Chinese comes on 62nd minute. And like I said, the attack freed up quite a bit as soon as he did um, comes on for Cameron Duke. Again, I'm not blaming Cameron Duke's performance on him. And he did actually do a really good job combining with Fontas and Felipe Hernandez on the goal. So I want to make sure that I highlight that, but I think that, he struggled to find the game in the way that Vermees envisioned he would find the game from the position that he put him in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's was really surprising to any of us that saw him being put in that position. I just, it is what it is. I hopefully he gets more reps. Um, Chinese earn, uh, earns a free kick in the 68th minute. Um, you know, kind of goes for a volley, but it's blocked. Um, Remy Voltaire tactically fouled Shakiri a couple times. Yeah, there was, good hard there, fouls too. Yeah, like, they were like, good ones. No nonsense, did, no question. Did not give fouls. a shit either. Mm-hmm. And you know that Zerdan Shakiri, he doesn't mess around with that stuff. He'll get straight up in somebody's face. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of I'm the I'm I'm from the Premier League and <laughs> and Bundesliga sort of entitlement going on yeah. with Shakiri. He kind of thought that he was going to get the preferential treatment for sure. And um, Voltaire didn't give a shit. He was That's like, good. nah. I'm not we playing. Like I'm not playing that game. So it that. was. It was good. I, I would. I would absolutely love to see that. Um, let's see. Just a couple other things. Chichos uh, gets a, gets rips one just wide uh, off the post on a on a corner. Um, Logan and Denbe comes in right around the same time, 68th mm-hmm. minute for Ben Sweat, and then the third. The caster Shabilko gets the third goal. I. I'm you. You mentioned this before we started recording. Not necessarily concerned with third goals in two-one games, right? Because they're you know you're generally pressing higher, especially at this time in the game. Right, it's eighty-third minute, eighty-second minute. You're trying to get an equalizer. That said, I'm not sure this goal came from that type of position. Um, Shabilko, you know, or Remy Voltaire got dispossessed fairly easily in the center circle. He receives the ball. Guy gets on his back. He gets dispossessed. And then um, Chicago starts to break and Voltaire gets kind of owned again by Gutierrez as he tries to get into the play and then releases Shabilko and we're right up underneath Melia's body. Uh, I This one's a little bit harder for Melia to get down for um, as fast as he'd like to, but um, it's not the most um, fantastic sequence. For him, or more most fantastic game for him. Um, there's actually a, um, I think there was a shot saved in like the 93rd minute by Gaga Salinina. Yeah, 94th minute. Um, Voinovich gets a gets a, a volley after kind of a scrum, and he kind of hits it right at Salinina. That was the first save of the entire match. Yeah. Uh, and we can we can really at least be happy if, if we're looking for silver linings. We did uh, ruin his uh, shutout streak, so you know, hooray for us! Yeah, so Gaga's not going to beat uh, Tony Miola's uh, shutout streak record. He may still get to seventeen shutouts. We'll see yeah, I, I I think he will actually. 
he's a pretty good goalie. I, I'm, he's a good I, goalie, I, and the the team is set up to play to his strengths, I think. And so mm-hmm. I think I, I think they're they're going to be um, much 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 improved. They're very organized um, yeah. when the possession's in front of them. I, I I was very surprised at how because that team was a freaking sieve. Yeah. to just drive through in the past. So I'll give Ezra Hendrickson a lot of credit for how they're, t- how they're set up defensively. Cause they seem a lot more organized than I remember. That's a really, I mean, honestly, it's a really easy recipe for success in MLS. Um, it's, it, you know, if you can, if you can get the players, it's easy is where you just, you know, you play like your, you know, standard four, two, three, one or whatever. And, um, and you play very defensive, uh, more, counterattacking type football and um and then you have you know elite playmakers to do the work for you right to score the goals and that's i mean portland has made a living off of that for you know what a decade and you keep thinking they're washed and they keep doing the same thing to you over and over again you know and they absolutely housed austin doing this remember austin everyone thought austin was like oh my god they're (laughs) so great i'm like yeah i I was doing the same thing that some people were like uh calm down you've played miami and cincinnati like let's calm down well and and the you know those those that matchup for for uh, Austin is terrible, right? I mean, it's the same reason why Sporting Kansas City struggles uh, with Portland. It's because when you're a possession based team and you you know you have hold on to the ball and you get people forward and get people forward and get people forward, all it takes is one mistake and they're off to the races. And you know you got Sebastian Blanco banging in a a a, a goal and you know taking you out of the playoffs. Yep, absolutely. Although that goal that Blanco got that took us out of playoffs was not a transition event. That no, was just wasn't. that was just a freaking <laughs> banger from it 30 yards where he was just like, watch, I'm going to end this game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So I, the main takeaway that I'll have from the rest of the game, you know, Shabilko gets the third goal again. I, I'm i more concerned about the fact that Remy Voltaire got kind of owned twice on that play. That is my main issue with it. But to be fair, once he lost the ball, it was almost solely on him to try and get it back because everyone was so high that he had to really try it again. And, you know, whatever. I I think it just highlights some of the concerns I have with Voltaire at the six. He's not a, a dual winner. He's not a recovery guy. Those aren't things that he necessarily does that well. And um, say what you want about when Busio was playing the six and his proclivity to winning duels a lot of the duels that Busio would get in and lose slowed the attack so the guys could get behind. Voltaire doesn't do that. And additionally, Busio is fantastic at interceptions and recoveries. Voltaire is not good at those either, really. Yeah. I mean, I know he's got stats that show a lot of those. Like Sporting was putting this thing out this week and showing all the stats he has in those areas. They may, I'm not saying that he doesn't rack those up, but I feel like it's sort of a thought mob rating kind of situation where he's racking those up in the, in the key sequences where you need them to occur. I'm not seeing them as often. And that's the concern that I have with it, with, with, with some of the stuff I really want, you know, I really don't want him playing as a single pivot. I just don't. Yeah. If you're going to put him in a double pivot, if you're going to do a three, four, two, one, Mm -hmm. if you're going to do a four, two, three, one, you know, put him next to somebody. Like if you put him next to an Uri or you put him next to a Felipe Hernandez or you do something like that, I'm fine with that. A four, two, three, one with Gadi Kinda at the 10, I'd be fine with be yeah. absolutely fine with that. Um, and the positional responsibilities don't change that much in that no. circumstance. Um, you just, you're, you're pulling one of your guys back a little bit. 
Um, anyway, I, I just, I think that, you know, there are some opportunities here to optimize the system for the lineup or for the roster. I just hope that maybe some of that starts happening because I think the way that it is right now, it's not, and it's to the team's detriment results wise. Yeah. I, I wouldn't expect it to happen. I think I don't that, either. I don't I expect it to the, happen either. I just, yeah, the goal is to tread water until, well, well, what um, if, until what the if, wingers get back if, and what if Udi is injured for four months or what like if he's, or, or what if he's really terrible? Like he was before he got injured. You I know? mean, he played one game. I'm willing to say that was a bad game. Okay, <laughs> it was pretty you bad. Know, it was bad, but you also saw him and you yeah. saw you watched him in training. In training I did. I thought he was good in the, the preseason, and he was he looked good in those situations. It's not the same as a game in MLS, but come on, like I don't think the guy legitimately forgot how to play soccer completely between when they left Tucson or Phoenix and came and came to you know back home. So I, I'm willing to say, hey, it was a bad game, and he might come back. But the problem with hamstring injuries, man, we saw what happened to EC. Yeah, last year, it can barely saw months. him the rest of yeah. the season. I mean, he came back and hurt it again, and you barely saw him before the playoffs. Yeah, and if that's a situation, you don't have any sixes on the roster. Well, and at this point, at this point, you know, unfortunately, you have to you have to consider that that's probably kind of the player that Uri is. I mean, he's missed most of the last two seasons with injuries, and now yeah. he's out again with an injury. And you know, I, I, it's it's unfair, I know, to put that label on players, but at the same time, you, you know, you, you if you're a club, you have to you have to realize that that. Uh, earning points is is, is the, like that's yeah. your job you know you got to do it and you know if you, if you have to be a little bit more ruthless about it in your approach then that's what it takes and you know I, I, I mean maybe maybe that is what it takes but the thing is is that you know other other MLS clubs are still signing players from South America um, and you know true sporting's, sporting's not going to do that and so we well, they, I, think, they, I think we have what we have it's reasonable. So the one thing I will say about this is it's reasonable to um, caveat some of these conversations about are they bringing someone or not. They're, the re the requirements for them to be able to do that are probably related to can they get rid of Jose Mauri in a way that gets them off the off the salary cap yeah. for two reasons. One, Jose Mauri acquires uh, requires an international spot. So if you're going to bring someone in from South America or on a free transfer from Europe, you need that international spot to be able to do it. Secondarily. Um, I don't know what the cash situation is with allocation money and things like that, but it's probably not fantastic, especially if they have to hold on to Maori's contract. So there are some um, issues with sporting being able to actually pull off a move like that um, without, you know, potentially. I, don't know. I mean, I just always assume. With with MLS, I just always assume that you know where there's a will, there's a way. I really do. I yeah. I it's. I mean, to that, I don't think, know? but I think that's true for certain clubs. I don't think Sporting gets that level of love from the front office. And is it because? I, I, but 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 is that? But is that because they don't try to do that? Right? Is it, do they use it as an excuse? I don't. I just think that. Um, I think that other front offices are more willing to push the envelope when it comes to that stuff than sporting is mm -hmm. I I've, you know, the big thing that came out of the whole uh, inter Miami um, situation last year was that the reporting that like it, most GM said like every team yeah. cheats the salary cap in some way, shape or form. Um, some are very blatant about it. Some are not, but pretty much every team cheats the salary cap, 
was the comment that they got from, you know, from that whole situation. So I don't know, maybe, like I said, maybe um, sporting is more willing to, you know, or is less willing to push the envelope in those circumstances. I can understand why you'd be worried about that. Um, well, well, you know, Drew, I'm, if you're not, it's, it's a tough you're not game cheating, to play. you're not trying. So sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tightrope to walk. Yeah. And if you're not Atlanta United or uh, LAFC or somebody like that, it, you, you can put a target on yourself. Let me put it this way. MLS front office is much more likely to absolutely drop the hammer on a sporting Kansas city than they would on an Atlanta United period. Yeah. They are not going to ruin Atlanta United if they can avoid it. They could make an example out of a sport in Kansas City. Right. That that could occur. So it's a dangerous game to play in that situation. So I understand what you're saying, but I also recognize having a little bit of, you know, being a little bit um, careful about how you would do the how you would make those decisions. Well, I just, um, I, you just have to, you know, you got to be careful. It's just it becomes a, a very convenient, easy out for Fermi's and the club. You know, yeah, our hands are tied. We can't do anything. You know, we're well, not going to. But, but that's I that's Vermes in general. He's right, always gonna, I, I, I just like he, just like he's going to say, this is why we should never play three center backs again. Right. And why Cameron <laughs> right. Duke needs to sit on the bench for another year yeah. and all the other kind of stuff he's going to say. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll use whatever example he needs to sort of poo poo, whatever idea, grand idea someone has, um, in, in comparison, um, I I know we didn't, we're not going to do This is not a U.S. men's national team thing, but in comparison, Greg Berhalter was quoted yesterday as saying, yeah, we heard you guys talking about maybe we should rotate players. So I took it back to the staff and we talked about it a little bit. It was very interesting conversation. (laughs) Like, I can't tell if he's trolling us or not. I hope he's trolling. I really do. I hope he's trolling. But um, anyway, there's different ways of handling that. I kind of like Greg doing the trolling more Mm -hmm. than Peter being like my grumpy dad telling me I can't have what I want. Yeah. Um, But who knows? Um, rest you know, of the game, he's, Peter. He's he's so uh, upset with uh, with the league. You know, um, not you know acting like a super club, but not treating acting like they're a super club, but not treating them like they are. That you know, maybe he's just rolling out. You know, his three six one to spite the league. You know, just like well, he, he did. did with, he did it like he did with Leon. Yeah, the league's cup was pretty funny. That was a that was a giant fuck you. That that yeah, was, really that was that was it was a middle finger to the league, and I kind of loved it. Honestly, everyone got really mad about they it. They really too. did. I was like, come on! Yeah. It's like it's their fourth game in seven or eight days, and everyone's getting so mad about it. And I'm like, y'all can seriously just go calm down. Like, go go pound sand, as we used to say in the army. Um, yeah. All right, uh, rest of the match, real quick, before we get into the preview, um, we covered Raj enough. I'm not going to beat on him anymore. Um, Felipe, I thought, was pretty decent. I thought he was okay. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought you know, being on the left, um, I, I saw more of the Felipe I liked. He definitely was the only one really doing anything, possession-wise. <laughs> Literally the only midfielder trying anything. Yeah. Um, was pretty good at winning duels. Recoveries were really good. Like I liked most of what I saw from him in that game. Um, ben Sweat, I didn't. I don't know that I. I'm, I'm going to give a. I'm going to give an incomplete on Ben Sweat because I don't know that you could take much from the fact that he really didn't have a whole lot of capability to do anything in this game. Um, 
he did get forward a little bit in the first half, and I saw him do things that you would expect a fullback to do, but there was nowhere for his service to go when he got there because no yeah. one was making the runs you would need to make. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an incomplete, but I wouldn't hate seeing him again. He was not defensively irresponsible in any way, shape, or form. Agreed. And um, he, you know, for the issues that occurred during the match, none of them were his fault. So I wouldn't mind seeing him more. I wouldn't mind seeing Courtney Ford play more, even if it's for um, EC. Yeah, honestly. Yep. Um, especially if we're trying to maintain EC's hamstrings, or you bring him in for Fontes and move EC to left center back. Either one of those, I'm fine with. Um, I think that he played mostly pretty good. It, the main thing, and I talked about it earlier that I liked, is that when there were transition moments, his defensive play was textbook. Yeah. He played it exactly the way it's supposed to be played. Um, neither of those goals are on him. And that foul for the penalty is like, whatever. I mean, dude, you, you try and get out for it. And you, he was like, he saw that his foot was going to touch him. He started to pull it away and like, yep. whatever. Um, Vujinovic, to your point, I don't know that we can take much from him. Um, I liked his hold up play. I, I saw him, you know, but again, I'm like, I'm, I'm dissecting like, five or six touches because yeah. he just didn't have much. But the times I saw him get to the ball, he seemed to have the instincts of a center forward. It was just like Dwyer Island 2.0. Yeah. It really it was, was even worse than that. It yeah, it was. It was worse because, because really was. he Voinovich is, you know, he's not the holdup player that, that Dwyer was. And so, you know, he does lose more of those battles. And so, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't put that on him when he's all alone going against two or three different center backs at, at the same time. Uh, it makes it really difficult for him. He's not like, you know, he's not a physically imposing like Dom Dwyer was or um, even like Kyrie Shelton is. And, and so it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him. He's a different style of, of um, player. And, um, you know, I just, I, I hope we can, find a uh, you know a, a combination of of personnel and and system that you know allows him to to be successful and to show um what kind of player he is he and chinese had some good combination plays once they were mm -hmm. both on the field which was nice to see i will say that you're right that i wouldn't call him a hold-up player but he's not afraid to get into those situations and he will no, die okay. and play him mm -hmm. and he he didn't get like little brothered when he was in him, right? Like okay. he, he would create second balls, which is what you can really, especially in an aerial kind of situation when you're an aerial holdup situation, he would create second balls and that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, the sporting players getting those second balls is a second kind of problem, but um, he was doing the right things from that. So I thought he played, I, I like to see more of him and I like to see him play with some players who don't suck. Or who I, I shouldn't say don't suck. That's that's rude. Um, who have more of an attacking capability and technical capability that can combine with him that are 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 looking to play again, you know, off of him. Um, we didn't we have just haven't seen that so far. Yep. I agree. Um, and then, yeah, I mean. The grass was long. Yes, it was. It was NFL football field and it was cut like an NFL football field. And yes, I heard it over and over. It was hard, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm tired of these excuses, man. Play soccer. Yep. Play soccer. Everyone Agreed. else is playing on the same field. I agree. Figure it out. All right. Um, 
RSL this weekend. Boy. I still got a really bad taste in my mouth from the last couple games last year. Um, I know Sporting does, so it'll be interesting to see how they deal with this. But RSL's on good run. Yeah. Uh, top of the West, tied with AFC, uh, LAFC. They're technically second because I think of what is the first tiebreaker in MLS? I think it's wins. And then the next one is goal differential. I think they both, I think the same record. So it would be uh, goal differential, I guess, for LAFC. Um, but they've been playing well. They, they're undefeated. Um, 3 0 1. They, um, I will say, I watched the Nashville highlights. They're pretty fortunate to have won that game. Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> Nashville had some absolute chances in that yeah, game. They really did. And did did not finish them. Um, so I would say that you know uh, RSL finished a couple half chances, and and um, other than the one goal that that Nashville got, um, I they they hit the post several times. Like it was Zach McMath made a couple nice saves. I'll be honest, Zach McMath played well. Um, David Ochoa is injured for them. So Zach McMath has been playing in goal and he played very well in the game. Um, but they're pretty fortunate to have won that game. The other matches, the, the results were earned. In fact, they got a draw on a match. They should have won. So, um, I, you know, I mean, I guess now nah, the, the, the draw against Houston was pretty boring. So I'll take that back. The, but the other matches they they deserve to win, but this one against Nashville, I'm not sure they did. Um, the thing that uh, popped out to me in the highlights that I watched of the different matches they played is Tate Schmidt. Have you watched this guy at all? He's been uh, playing. I have not. No. So um, so RSL set up in a three four three. They have a significant injury problem, just like Sporting does. Not quite as bad, where they've like lost their whole front line, but they've got several injuries, um, and so. Justin well, Mira. it helps that it helps to have like you know three center forwards when you start the 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 yeah, season. Yeah, we start so the you, season. So if you lose so, one, you, you got season. some coverage. You, know? <laughs> you still got Bobby Wood, and yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, so they've been playing in a three four three, and um, Tate Schmidt has been playing as a left wing back in that formation, and um, he's a guy who uh, you know went you know as a homegrown went through a couple years of college, then came back and played for Monarchs and was um was basically with monarchs all of last year and had had a few starts but never much playing time dude's already got two goals early in the season and both the goals that i saw him take were taken very well and he combined in another one of the goals they scored against nashville and w- looked very dangerous in all of their goal scoring efforts i not a guy that i was that familiar with but uh, he really popped out on the tape uh, as a guy that could be a problem and i i highlight this because he will be going against Graham Zusi. Yeah. And he looks like a fairly dynamic player that can also dribble really well. And that um, does not bode well for Zusi's defensive capabilities. So I just think he's someone to watch out for um, in this match. Uh, as I noted earlier, they've got some, they've got some injury problems. So uh, David Ochoa, obviously I mentioned already, Demir Krylock is, has been injured. Looks like apparently Krylock, might sort of be ready to train soon, but I don't mm. think we're going to see him. Justin Glad got injured in the Nashville game, so he's definitely out. Rubio Rubin apparently played 60 minutes for the Monarchs last weekend, so the expectation is that he's definitely going to be ready, or at least on the bench, was what uh, Mastroni said in his press conference. So 
expect Rubio Rubin to be available in some way, shape, or form. But no Crylock. You would think that that's a good thing, but they haven't had Crylock all season, and they're still beating everybody. So, yeah. um, well, I think I think that what I said, you know, before about uh, about teams like you know Chicago and Portland kind of applies. You know, I mean they they play you know disciplined, organized style, and they take advantage of of counterattacks when the present when the uh, situation presents itself and you know they have they have they have veterans like justin merrim who know what they need to do and have a very you know uh specialized um um set of instructions and they do it really really well and then they you know they have strikers and that makes a big difference even if the strikers aren't you know you know the strikers. Even, even if Bobby Wood isn't the the uh, double digit goal, goal scorer we all wish you know he was for the sake of the USMNT, um, he's still a striker. That's his job, and he knows how to play that position. And he has scored goals in that position before. So you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm I am I'm a little concerned about uh, about the game this weekend, um, and. Uh, Especially given our injury situation, which you know, since I've been away, I don't, I'm, I'm not really a hundred percent sure um, what that involves. So maybe you could shed some light on that. Yeah. So um, it, it appears that, well, let me put it this way: Kyrie Shelton, Daniel uh, Shallowy, Johnny Russell all trained this week. They were in training as of Tuesday. Hmm. Um, so nothing on Udi Rossell yet, but those three all were training as of Tuesday. So I haven't seen anything related to, you know, them being kept out of training, like something got aggravated or anything like that. They're all questionable on the injury report for this match, but um, they all did train. So that is a positive, especially given the fact that Logan and Denbe and Marinos Chanis are both out for international duty. Uh, yeah. Chanis with Cyprus for some friendlies, uh, Logan and Denbe with the Belgian U21s for their qualifiers for U21 Euros. So, um, you know, it, it spe- specifically Chanis is the worst one um, yeah. when you have all of these attackers that are down. You know, Ben Sweat, I'm perfectly fine with him playing left back, but. Um, Without Shelton Russell or Shallowy, if John East is out too, and none of these guys can play, that's that's a concern for sure. Well, that's, we're going to see the three six one. Right. Again. That's, that's um, again no wingers and you know yeah. no 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 ideas and, and you hey, can't even we'll, sub a winger on like there right. are none. We, we really <laughs> are I mean, we really none. just learned you know it just it just really underlined last weekend the extent to which you know Sporting Kansas City depends on on their wingers for their creative. Uh, for all of their creativity in the final third, really. I mean, um, maybe with the exception of Kinda, of course, but um, I mean, that's, that's where it comes from. And if you don't have those guys out there, it's really, really tough. Um, And we don't, we don't have a plan at this point, you know, C or D uh, that we can expect to, to. I'm going to be honest, Cody, we're on plan E or F. Yeah, probably. Like there are so many guys out. So like, if you consider, I mean, say what you want about Kyrie Shelton's production. He's still a valuable player when people are injured. Right. Absolutely. He would be, he would really help. Yeah. He would help a lot right Mm -hmm. now if he was available. So you've got Alan Polito, Gotti Kinda, Kyrie Shelton, Johnny, Johnny Russell and Daniel Shallowy are all injured. I mean, I don't think, I don't think that RSL is dealing with something like that. 
They're if dealing played, with we're dealing with injuries, but they're spread out a little more. If you played Shelton up top, and you know maybe had uh, Voinovich playing in that sort of you know free ten role or second forward role, or whatever. Johnny's, you want to think. yeah. Well, um, Johnny's isn't going to be available. But yeah, yeah, he's not going to be available. But I mean, I think that I mean, I think that that could be conce- uh, successful. I mean, what really what really needs to happen is there needs to be some some combination. There needs to be some some um, some sort of relationship up there between. Uh, those attacking players where they can, you know, they can help one another create chances. Um, the three, and, five, two makes a lot more sense with Shelton in the team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Agree. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who can occupy center backs and allow the other forward to roam. I, I agree with that completely. I, I don't, I think when they did the three, five, two against, um, against RSL in the open cup, when they won that match and Rubio scored, I think was, was Shelton in that match with Rubio? I'm trying to remember who the other forward was. I don't remember. It was 2018, wasn't it? Or was it 2017? Maybe anything pre pre COVID doesn't exist. (laughs) The COVID fog has obscured it. It really has, man. It's, It's something else. Um, so the the one thing that I noticed as well from RSL that did have me, you know, the anxiety meter fired up is that the vast majority of the chances that they were creating were coming from um, set pieces, which, you know, sporting is not always the most fantastic at defending and ding, 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 midfield turnovers, creating transition. Yeah, I so. These are the these are the, the the central problems that sporting has had a pro you know had difficulty solving um, towards the end of last year and into this into this season and they're the same and it's the same reason that RSL was able to beat sporting um, twice at the end of last year both at the last game of the season and in the playoffs so I I think that um, I will be looking for ways that Peter is attempting to solve this. Because if it is the same philosophy of, you know, aggregating chance creation with the expectation of goals eventually happening with the understanding that you're going to give up counterattacks sometimes because of it, I think they're going to get burned again. Yeah. You, you, You can't, you know... You can't rely on Roger Espinosa to pop up and score a goal every game. That's just not going to happen. You need to find even if he does pop up and score a goal in this game, I don't think it's going to matter because RSL is going to get three. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and so that—that's what I'm saying is that there has to the we've talked about this. We talked about this last week. The whole the whole broomstick philosophy about you know you just do what you do and you don't care about what the other teams you know what the opponents' uh, strengths or weaknesses are. And unfortunately, I think with the state of the of the roster, you can't afford to do that right now. Yeah, because the guys that you are plugging into these positions aren't good enough at them to give you the chance creation, the aggregate aggregated chance creation that you need to put goals on the board. All right. So last topic that I want to make sure we talk about is the back three. the only reason that I, I want to discuss it is because it was fun to see Peter try something different. And I don't think the back three was necessarily poor. As we discussed earlier, I think that there were some 
ill-advised ways that it was used, but that has more to do with the, 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 the formation as a whole. I do believe that there was some defensive solidity that was created from it. And yeah, three goals on the scoreboard doesn't look bad, but honestly, I wouldn't put them on. Those are two of them are half chances at best. Um, and the back three was did eliminate the um, transition defending problems that we've seen in the past, in my opinion. The defending was correct. The goalkeeping did not go did not go great, but you would expect that over you know over a thirty four game season to uh, get better. So, what were your thoughts on the back three? Obviously, we covered Fontas and the way he was used in it, but as far as how how it worked for eliminating some problems, uh, I so so I think the back three um, is a, would be a really good. Um, I think it's a really good option, especially for the players that we have. You know, one of the problems with, um, it, and we've we've talked about this that that, that there's no, um, no perfect formation, no perfect system, but but the problem, uh, one of the problems with uh, the system that that we've played for all these years is that it, it really puts an undue. Um, importance and responsibility on uh that single holding midfielder and um you know and and that's that's a position that the team has never really uh gone out and uh truly invested in um you know we we'd, we'd have Ilya, you know obviously who's who's you know he, he, he my point is that he's he was not a designated player level player um which you know given the the state of the league right now um, it might take that kind of player to make this system really be um, super effective. Um, and so, um, and, and we can see now, you know, how with a little bit more, um, and we talked about this last time, with a little bit more of a, uh, of, of a midfield presence around him, how uh, Ilya is, is thriving in L.A. Uh, and so, you know, what I, my, my preference would be, um, since we have a fairly deep and fairly good uh, center back group to, you know, really uh, kind of uh, give it a try. You know, we have, we don't have a lot to lose in my opinion, especially uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, and, you know, I think that the players that are out um, once they're back, I think that, um, that they would fit really well in something like a, you know, like a three, four, three. Um, and, um, it's just a matter of of you know instituting the three center backs and then and hoping that you know you can make that transition to uh, to a double pivot, which I think honestly is a lot easier uh, in practice than it kind of sounds. I, I don't think it would be that much of a stretch for this team if they were allowed to do it for you know a run of games. Honestly. Playing as a single pivot is much harder Dude, than so playing hard. in a double pivot. It's so hard. <laughs> the def- the positional responsibilities of a single pivot are fairly intense. Yeah. Um. And it's interesting that you brought up Ilya at LAFC because the, the, I heard an interview with Kellen Acosta this week, and they were talking to him about his ability to play the six for the U.S. versus what his role is at LA, LA where he's more of an eight. And he said, "Well, the interest." He's like. 
Yet LA, actually what we do is we rotate quite a bit. So sometimes I'll drop back and Elio will go forward. And sometimes I'll go forward and Elio will drop back. And there's there's multiple players with defensive responsibilities. And it's a little and it's exactly the thing that we've discussed is having Elia around some guys who have defensive understanding and understand the space they're supposed to cover if they rotate back or if he goes forward is really important. And he said, he's like, when I'm at, when I'm at the U S women's national team, Greg is very significant in what the defensive midfielder, the sixth position is required to do. And it's a lot more responsibility. Yeah. It's totally different than what it is at LA. Yep. And it's so interesting because we've, we've discussed this, like how much better Elia looks in a position where he's got some cover versus the four, three, three, that Peter runs. It's very similar to what Burhalter does with a six at the U.S. Men's National Team, there's a ton of responsibility from that position. And not everybody has Tyler Adams. No. They, they just don't. <laughs> very few very few teams do. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 here, and the thing is, too, is that, you know, um, even at, you know, top levels of football, um, teams are realizing that. And, you know, uh, teams like, like you know, how, how many teams – uh, in in Europe right now, how many elite teams are playing? You know, sort of with a single pivot, and you know, not it's Liverpool very... and Man City, right? Liverpool, Man City, Barcelona, right? And even Liverpool, think. they'll they'll get funky sometimes. Uh, not Liverpool, uh, um, City, City. Thank you. Yeah, Please. well, City's got the front six amoeba, as right. I call it. Those <laughs> right. guys move around a lot. Right. There, there's there's not a whole lot of like who's supposed to be where. It's more of a positional yeah. responsibility based on where you are in the field. You understand what mm-hmm. your zone is supposed to be doing yep. right um but liverpool runs a fairly bog standard 433 yeah, as absolutely. far as responsibilities are concerned that said their eights know how to cover yeah they they do and um, and and the rest of their team i mean they, they all know how to press like crazy yeah, and so they're they're counter they're counter pressing is it so just good, it makes man. such a huge difference um yeah and, well, and Virgil van Dyke is helpful as well. Like, you know, yeah, having and, guys and, like that. And, and that's, well, so, I mean, really, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that was always my complaint, you know, and it was never um, like personal about Ilya is that, is that if you make the choice that you're going to put Ilya as your holding midfielder, you have to surround him with athletic uh, center backs. You've got to have two center backs who yeah. can cover. And, you know, and, and we didn't, you know, not only did we not, but we, we also had, you know, a, 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 a slower over 30, you know, right back. And so it's just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, you say I, what I, you want about Trent Alexander Arnold's uh, defensive capabilities. And a lot of people have been saying a lot of stuff about it the last couple of weeks, but he has, he recovers really well. Sure. Um, the other he's thing back too, there. Like, he, he, you know, he doesn't always make the right but, play when he's back there. But this he, is a valid point. Like I think Liverpool is probably the most apt comparison because mm-hmm. it's probably the only big league team I can think of that is so similar in both setup and intention to sporting. Yeah quality obviously a vast difference but as far as setup and intention is very similar liverpool was has been great for a long time with fabinho at the six and that guy is not an athlete like no that's not his thing now granted he gets into a tackle a little bit better than elia does but he's not some crazy ground covering you know um recovery guy yeah and they've been very very successful that way and um, you're right. And he's just you have a, guys he's like just, Virgil Van Dyke behind him. Yeah, and he's an, have, he's an, yeah. and he and he's an elite player too. I mean, and that he is. You know. I, like, I don't want. I don't. Want, I'm not talking shit about Fabinho. Yeah. I'm saying that his profile 
athletically when we talk about his ability to recover or things of that nature which have generally been like knocks against Elie that they're not totally different right um and he is a progressive passer he like the profile's not different the quality is obviously different yeah the profiles are not different and um it's never been an issue for them Ilya's Ilya's profile is more like Tiago and when when Tiago played the six it's not been good (laughs) so well that's true all right Never mind. My, 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 I've realized that my analogy has been totally shot to shit and I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I, we, I would say uh, that I, it's usually me who does that. So, you know, it's, it's but Fabinho fair. plays center back sometimes too. See, it's just like Elia. Well, that's just because he's just tall. Like oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, anyway. So, so anyway, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I would love for the team to, to really, um, uh, try to go more towards a back three, um, at least to have it as something that they can uh, rely on when um, we have injuries and things like that. And um, I, that said, I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, the, I think right now the main concern has to be um, if we have to if we have to use these sort of uh, you know piecemeal uh, lineups and uh, formations for any length of time it's going to be even more difficult for um, to sort of get back into the groove when the starters are back. And then, you know, next thing you know, half the season's gone and we're, you know, towards the bottom of the table. And um, it's going to be really difficult for us to, to, you know, put things together. So I, I think that, you know, the, the you know, the, we're on the cut. Well, I don't think we're in trouble right yet in the team, but, but I do think they're on the cusp of being in trouble and they got to get something they either got to start getting people back or they got to get something better figured out um, with the players that they do have. I would agree with that completely. I, I, someone said to me uh, this week that, you know, there are, there are more issues that have to be solved other than the absences. And I don't totally disagree, but what I would say is that the absences are making it hard to go on solving the problems that exist. Um, because you don't have any consistency in the players that are on the field and what they're doing to be able to evaluate. Do we have significant problems with their play? No one's played in the same spot enough to even evaluate it. Yeah. And this makes it even harder. You know, typically Vermees talks about like after the first 10 games, I have a basis to evaluate where we are. I'm not sure. He's, he even said that given how late some of the, players arrive that he's not going to be able to do it after 10 games yeah. with the number of players that have been out. It makes it even harder, right? It might be halfway through the season before you have even a really good read on who's able to do what um, there are, there are different circumstances, but you know, like a Graham Zussi has played every game um, in the same position, you know, Fontas and EC have at least played center back every game in the same position, but there are a few examples of that. And you're not pulling Zussi off the field for Caden Pierre. Yeah. It's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. So, you know, where, where are the opportunities to make adjustments? Um, it, it is, that's my main concern. You hit the nail on the head is we're going to be halfway through the season before we know what this team is. And at that point they could be dead last and yeah. have such a big hole to dig out of that. You don't know what to do. So at least we won't get I relegated. Mean, they they also they well yeah. They they also could be, you know, fourth place at that yeah, point too. 100%. That, that's perfectly as feasible as as them being dead last. 
like I said, I, I understand a lot of people got upset with Vermees' comments after the game where he was like, I don't think the score line was, was um, you know, representative of how the team played. And a lot of people got grumpy about that. What, what you think they should have lost four to nothing or five to nothing? <laughs> Chicago did not create that many chances. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. They finished a couple half chances and got a penalty. They did not create a ton of chances. Um, Sporting did neither, but Seattle didn't create, or excuse me, Chicago didn't create a bunch of chances. So I understand where his thought process is on this. The problem is if you have some bad luck, you have no way to dig out of it right now. Yeah. So um, hopefully we'll see some of these players back. We'll eliminate some of the bad luck. They were very good at home against Houston. So, um, or, you know, there weren't the mistakes that we had seen and they were very, they had controlled the game very well against Houston. So hopefully when um, RSL comes to town, we've got some players ready and that control comes back and we can have some positive things to talk about. That would be great. Um, In the meantime, I'm going to let Cody go to sleep because it is well past midnight where he is. And I'm I'm sure he's done chasing um, high school kids around. Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, I was I was tempted to get up super early and watch the U.S. men, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, dude, that game starts in three hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, so, I, I, mean, I know. That's, that that would be very little sleep yeah. for you. Yeah, I'm sure would, you got a full day. That would make tomorrow, tomorrow very long. It would. It would indeed. Maybe it's better that you sleep through it. If the U.S. wins that game, their first win world win in a World Cup qualifier at the Azteca ever. I'm just going to tell you to sleep through all of their games. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right. No promises. <laughs> all, right. all right. Um All right. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the content. Thanks, Cody, for dialing in at almost 1 a.m. Until then, until next time, I'm Drew. He's Cody. We will talk to you all soon. Shalom. Shalom.